going on everybody welcome in five minutes with sean the day after the end of nada and we are all about keeping you up to date uh so i went ahead and i found i'd say probably the best correspondent i could think of to have someone give me the true vibe the honest feedback the what's happening in las vegas because she's been there six days according to her which as i told her is about five hours 22 or five days 22 hours longer than i could be there so we commend her for this. Lori, how are you today? Hi, guys. I am good. As I said, my voice is a little more gravelly, a little less sleep, but I'm still loving the automotive industry. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, after, after six days, it's kind of take you one way or another. Um, for those of you who've watched the show for a while, uh, Lori is actually only the second ever two-time guest on our show. Uh, it is Lori and so Brian excited. Kramer. That uh, that is the list of people who have been on the yeah, show. Yeah, I was shocked. I had no idea. I'm so honored. So welcome. Yeah, that's kind of Thank fun. You. I was thinking about it earlier. I was like, I don't really have the duplication thing going on, but Lori rocks. So Lori, you're in Vegas six days. Yes. Nada. Give us a sense of the vibe just off the get. Obviously, this is the biggest show, you know, for everyone. Given the last two years, this is sort yep. of a Super Bowl coming out party, etc kick us off. What was the vibe like and kind of what did you do in the, in the first couple of days you were there? Man, I have to tell you, this is so, I, well, the vibe, first of all, was just so celebratory. Like everyone was so excited to be in person again. So many hugs and like screams and joy on the showroom floor. You know, it was packed with people coming by. And so I think just this really feeling of celebration and really this feeling of, um, this is echoed throughout like the sessions, the showroom floor, the parties, this feeling of really resiliency as an agency or as an industry. It's like, wow, we really just came through so many things. You know, we had the pandemic, we had the chip crisis. Now we have the fuel crisis. Um, and so really you heard throughout the show again and again and again, man, we're just so resilient. And people are, it's like very celebratory. I mean, dealers especially are coming off of their best year ever, like 2021 even being the pandemic and the chip crisis gave them their best profits ever for the year. So just overall, like a really, really strong celebratory feeling here. That's really, that's really interesting because obviously, you know, as dealers sit back, they look at what they've accomplished, how they've been able to get there, you know, yeah. and, and honestly, I would have thought, I would have thought people would be the resiliency that, that, that makes sense to me. That's really what I yeah. would have expected from people because it was very similar to some of the stuff that had happened, you know, post, the, the, the crisis of 08, 09, like you started to get right. out in 2010, 2011, you start talking to people and you're like, man, how, how do we survive the banks? How do we survive this? How do we survive that? So when you, when you guys have that though, Lori, do you, do you get the feeling that, that people are looking to build from it? Or are we, are we just being very reflective in the celebration? You know what I mean by that? Like, are we, yeah, no, are we I totally stuck get on like what we, what we deserve for the last two years? Or are we kind of looking ahead to what it did to fuel us? No, I would say, I, I totally appreciate that question. So I went to an EV session uh, hosted by Jason Stein of Motor Minds, and I had like Liza Borches and, uh, you know, so many great, so many great people on the panel. And they generally were like, this is not the time to sit and like pack, pat ourselves on the back and congratulate ourselves. It is really this, the last two years have shown us what we can do as an industry and as dealers and o OEMs. And so now it's really time to take the lessons we've learned and how do we apply that and continue to move forward. So I think really there was this sense of 
you know, not like I said, not just pat ourselves on the back. Like, how do we keep this moving forward with the momentum and make it better? You bring up the OEM, and obviously yes. they always have a fairly, you know, decent showing at these events. Yeah. And so what did you get anything? I mean, there's been a lot of news lately, right? About the franchise model and this and the, that, the Ford breakout. If you're in an EV discussion, I don't know if that came out about breaking out franchises and, you know, no, how are going to do it? I mean, directly. it did. That was like a theme throughout. It's so a what's, the, what's the vibe there? What's the, what's the feeling um, of, of the future relationship of these, of these two entities? You know, it's cool. More so than ever before, what I'm hearing is dealers and the OEM saying, we need to work together. Like there's just no real future for us unless we work together. And so you're definitely hearing that a lot more from the dealer side because the dealerships are saying like these programs and these heavy handed tactics and telling us who and what we can use and what technology and who owns the data, that all needs to go away. So I think there's a, I, I think there's a plea from the dealer side to work more collaboratively with the dealerships. And, but I did hear that. I was in a couple of sessions, like Automotive News had a retail forum. Um, like I said, there were a bunch of NADA sessions. I think the OEMs are also coming around to the realization that they're gonna have to work with these dealers to make it, to make it work. I mean, I was talking to Lou Eklund, who's also of Motor Minds, he's our digital retailing person. And he was saying that like the new, Digital retailing, we're looking at digital retailing, most of us, right? As like, how do we make it seamless for the customer? He said, no, the, the true evolution of digital retailing is people are going to start doing build to order because what's shown us from the last couple of years is they are willing to wait for the cars. If you're getting them build to order customized cars. And so that's really just an example coming back to your question of a way that manufacturers are going to have to collaborate with the dealerships because the dealers are the ones who are getting what these people want to order. And they're delivering it and they're the ones answering for the delivery. So I think there's really this feeling of, like I said, I felt more from the dealer right now than the OEM, but this feeling of it is time to work together if we're going to move forward in this space. And obviously they're all in early adoption right now, right? So yes. when you deal with OEMs, you know, in the part of the process, you've got Ford trying to do it like Domino's, right? So they yep. want to show you where your F-150 is. Did it do this? Did it do that? The problem is, is as soon as it hits the shipping memo, it no longer becomes Ford's problem, right? Right. And we've yes. got some horror stories already about this whole thing. And this is why I stress to OEMs that like, and I'm glad that's the vibe you're hearing is that they do need the dealers. Okay. Yeah, uh, these are mass production people. They cannot go into business long-term with their business models and be niche makers. It, it, yeah. it doesn't make any sense for them. It, it couldn't certainly pencil. But for us, the dealers, for me, what I see is dealers saying, you know what? The balance is shift. The dealer, I guess- the point, Lori, is the dealer has more power in both relationship with consumer and OEM Correct. than I think they've ever had before. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And I think the things that we're looking at for the future. So the other theme that we're hearing a lot about at the show is meet the customer where they are, right? Whether it's in the purchase process, whether it's on the showroom floor, whether they're in, you know, looking online research stage. And so really, if we're truly going to meet the customer where they are and create the seamless process, that the dealership knows better than anyone where that customer is and where they're coming in on the process, what they know, what research they've done, what the features and models they want. And so really they do hold all of the power in that consumer journey. And so I think there's been kind of this interesting interplay between OEMs trying to take over that and introduce their own digital retailing platforms and kind of take over the data. But I think there's this growing realization that they really need the dealers in order to make this work. They're both going to have to work together in order to make this work. 
I mean, look, you're talking to someone who is not a fan. So of, of that right. relationship or of them getting involved in any of the oversight or having yeah. digital retail tools, you know, I think it's hard right. enough to make cars um, than, than it is to market them, and make sure they get dispersed correctly. So for me, yeah. again, these are all wonderful things we're hearing. Um, you know, these are things I've been pushing on uh, for yeah. a decade and, and I, I want, I want to see this. So I'm happy. I think the chip shortage really showed everyone that uh, if we all work together, everyone can be extremely profitable. But we got to work together. We have to collaborate. We have to work together on it. Now, when we speak about profitability right now, obviously the next hottest term, and I wonder how it gets discussed on the places like this, is charging people above MSRP. <laughs> so I have to tell you something that's so funny. I feel the same way. That was completely not discussed at the show. Oh, <laughs> or at least any of the oh sessions. that's really weird. Okay. <laughs> at least none of the sessions I was a part of or conversations I had, that was just kind of glossed over, right? Like they're like, well, let's just not even talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I expected, Lori. So I'm glad. And again, I take yeah. you as someone who's uh, you. I see you all over the place, right? So I know you have people in all circles. You sort yeah. of run in multiple circles. So if it didn't come up in any of your overlapping right. <laughs> circles, I'm going to assume if it was talked about, it was like very quietly with oh, like yeah. a look here and a look here. And oh no, discussion. it was it was very purposely completely um, left out of the discussion. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> thank you for the record year high five. Don't worry about how I got there, right? Like it's I'm okay. All right. Cool. I think the only I think the only mention I heard of any whisper of that was someone on stage, and I can't remember who just saying, "Let's be very careful with the way we've treated our consumers, our customers over the last year, because if you're telling someone." If you're charging someone $7,000 per sticker right now, guess what? The good times aren't going to last forever. And they're going to remember that when they come to, you know, come back to buy a car. Yeah, no, Lori, it's the only thing I've never, under, well, it's one of the many things I've never understood about the car business was that this, like, this concept of, of making so much money the first time. Uh, yeah. When the person came yep. back, you look like a complete ass. Yes. Like there's just no way when you're just like, oh, sorry, can't trade you out of your car. And they're like, but you yep. put me in the car, you know? And so immediately there's a distrust and a dishonor, you know, the dishonor that's been served to people. So, all right, let's assume, I'm okay. I knew that wasn't going to happen. So yeah, I can- I, I love can, it. I love that it was a question. The funny thing about that is though, it's a question on everyone's mind and it's the one question that didn't get asked. <laughs> yeah. It's another reason I don't go to these things because I probably wouldn't be talking about anything else. So- You'd um, be like holding um, up your hand. Like I yeah, have a question. Yeah, I have a question, excuse day. me, about the over MSRP <laughs> part, anybody? No, they right. never call me anyway. No one, so. crickets, crickets, okay. Yeah, no one on it. So when you're there and you've got, obviously it's been, like we said, it's been a while. Everybody's excited. Everybody's yeah. in the vibe. Yeah. But now you've been here six days. Six long days. Yes. Yeah. Long days. So, so how did you, how did you manage? I'm interested to know, how did you manage your day? Like what kind yeah. of a schedule did you try to adhere to? Do you have a certain number on the floor? Were you in meetings? Yeah. Were you kind of like, what does a day in Lori look like of a six day trip to Vegas? I love this. This is a great question because, and it's different for everyone. My day looks a little different than most people. I had a lot of networking breakfasts, lunches, really the NPR, our day begins at the happy hours and the parties. So I was, you know, last night, I think I went to four different parties in a row. It was like, you know, boom, 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 boom. But that's where a bunch of my referrals come from. So everyone, when I say that's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, your job's the parties. But, you know, it truly is like where I'll meet someone that we're currently working with or we've worked with before who say, oh, you have to meet Lori Halter. She does PR. Come over here. Let me introduce you. So for us, it's really those introductions. And then during the day, it's kind of, for me, it's just kind of like a hodgepodge of, uh, you know, client interviews, because we had a ton of clients here. 
going to our client speaking session because we were lucky enough to have quite a few speaking spots for all of our clients. So I know I saw that I saw that impressive list you put out. Maybe yeah. on Friday it was or Thursday it was. It was, yeah. uh, it was like, damn, look at Lori just just now. Is that all the, how they all got to speak there? Is because of you? Like now I'm trying to figure out how this all comes well, I mean, together. Of course, Sean. No, I'll, I will say you know Jason Stein is a force in and of himself. So everyone wants Jason Stein from automotive. So I would love to sure. take credit for that. But no, I mean, you know, it's funny. People were calling me before NABA and I just got to the point where if you weren't a client and I had to apologize to a couple of people at the show because if you were not a client in the weeks leading up to NABA of ours, you did not get a return phone call. You did not get a return text or email because the truth is we were putting, we were putting out press releases. We were, you know, figuring out the pitches. We were getting out, we we're getting them ready for the speaking engagement. So it really is kind of our Super Bowl. It was yeah. like leading up to our Super Bowl. And I think it's funny. People assume that you go to parties all day. So you show up to every party, you have like six shots and you walk into the next one, you know? Exactly. And it's like, no, when you party hop, you have like one that just lasts you the whole time. Oh, 100%. You have to be very strategic. Listen, yeah. guys, we got to be very strategic about the party hopping. <laughs> but no, it was, but, you I know, mean, you could tell... You can tell who just got there, right? Or who hasn't been there in a while 100%. or whatever. Or just, you, know. Well, this, you know what's funny about this? This is kind of off topic, but it's funny. So my colleague, Ellie Volsey, came in Friday. I've been here since Tuesday, right? So she comes in Friday and she's raring to go because I, it's like her first day of Vegas. I'm like, oh, crap. All I want to do is go to like a quiet dinner somewhere in a corner, you know, but she's ready to roll. Yeah. And so she actually told me last night, I want to do dinner again. And she was like, okay, no, no. All of your all of your business comes from the parties. We're gonna go network at all of the parties. And I do have to say, I mean, hey, we were dancing on stage with vanilla ice at Digital Airstrike last night. So the parties were rocking. I'm also gonna give a shout out to Lotlinks because they held a fantastic party in Skyfall. If you guys haven't had a chance to go there, it was uh where was it? I wanna say I'm gonna say the wrong hotel. But Skyfall, Lotlinks, amazing party fantastic it overlooked the entire strip it had like an outdoor balcony that overlooked the entire Vegas Plaza. so the parties were good I mean I saw the I saw the what the kickoff party right I mean Jesus in yeah. a football stadium for goodness okay but I have a little bit of a beef with the kickoff party uh-oh uh-oh here's my beef with the kickoff party all right if you were a, so if you're a vendor at these shows we're, we're like lowest person on the ground, right? Like we don't get invited to any parties. No one wants us anywhere. Like, and, and a lot of the vendors, a lot of the booth people are the ones paying the fees. So if you were a vendor, if you were an allied industry, you had to pay $250 a ticket for that kickoff party. So dealers and members were free, but vendors who are paying the bills for NADA had to pay $250 per So I did not attend the kickoff party. But I do know some people who went, they said it was fun. Yeah, I got that. See, that's part of the whole. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's hard for me. Of course, listen, it's hard for you. This listen, is your people, business. People pay me to come to their parties, not the other way around. Yeah, this is your clients. <laughs> this is why. This is why this is a problem, and this is part of a political thing that rubs me the wrong way. Um, and I get, I get the relationship between dealer and vendor. I, I've yeah. been on both sides. I totally yeah. understand it. I respect it, but. To act like they're any different than the people who pay the freight for you to even be able to throw this extravagant event at a football stadium, something you would not have done just out of love without any cash. Correct. Is, is, yeah. Is, you know, again, ticket, you know, like, hey, you gave us a booth, like, here's three tickets, even if it's three or if it's two. Yeah. Or, hey, it's just your CEO and his wife that there's two tickets they can come to, whatever. There yeah. has to be an olive branch extended. That is, that is not something that I'm a fan of. 
Well, I'll tell you the other thing that was very interesting is it was cut into three halls. So it's the West Hall, South Hall, and North Hall. I got to be honest, I never even made it to the South and North Hall. So apparently there were companies, I'm in PR. I should be looking at all the different companies, right? Apparently there were a lot of vendors, including, I believe, I may be wrong about this, but Paul Daly and Kyle, who were in the South Hall, who like people I talked to didn't even realize there were two other halls until the last day of the show. You know, so you've got a good, you've got a good chunk of the vendors at the show that weren't really being seen unless people had specific meetings with them and traveled that way to get there. Yeah, see, we, this happened to us many, 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 many years ago uh, with another one of the big Vegas events, not this one, but another one. And there was this whole new concept, you know, hey, it's going to be a startup alley. You guys are going to get yes, all this attention. Right. You're going to be I remember that. Woohoo, you know what I mean? So I'm like, dude, we just started. This is a dope Great. opportunity. Like we got to yeah. go order stuff and blah, 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 blah. Put, put together all this shit. We show up and there's not one piece of assignment. There's not one sign of communication. This is like how I started off as an internet manager in the car business in some dingy ass closet where no one paid attention to me, which it was fine selling cars, but trying to promote your business, it is not. So you yes. kind of come away a little like, what the F? So finally, I, halfway through the day, I walked up to the, one of the guys that were in charge. I said, man, what is up with this? You have yeah. no, he's like, well, you know, it was kind of a last minute idea. Well, oh, no. You charged like it was a fucking top of mind idea. So <laughs> I'm confused how we got here, you know? And so you do it and you're like, okay, whatever. And for us, it, you know, we were, it, we well, were the prior of the show because of our business model was very misunderstood nine years ago. So I was trying to get rid of internet managers and clear out people. And I was, Oops. I was trying to rid the uh, car business of actual employees, which, it just couldn't be farther from the truth. Not, so anyway, the whole not event. Not a good topic area. No, but we, we stuck with it for four more years solid. We hit all the events. But come 2018, 2019, we started looking at each other like, first of all, is this making any sense anymore for us to do this? And yeah. second of all, the vibe, the attitude of a show in 2019 was about as low as I've experienced. I saw people who I'd seen at shows for years that were drinking more excessively that were just you know what i mean there was just you could just see that people had changed and evolved it was kind of just yeah hitting your ground zero i think the pandemic in this way gave people a chance to recharge that's what it looked like Lori. is that kind of like again is that the vibe you got was like the I revival totally, of the show totally agree i totally agree like i think it was so fun and all the events were still so fun the parties were great but there was a little bit of, I don't want to say subdued because that's not the right word there i think there was a sense of not taking it for granted right? There was this sense of like appreciation for what we got to do and appreciation for the vendors who put on the events and appreciation for the people who were at the booths, you know? So I think, yeah, there was just generally this overall feeling of gratitude, I think, which was really nice to see. Well, that is, that is awesome. And I know you got to meet a lot of people in person yes. that, you, that you've been made friends with, as you stated over the years here on LinkedIn, et cetera, since everything began. Tell yeah. me what, what was, give me like, Two of the favorites that stand out to you, people you met in person first time that you were like, Well, okay, I know. Like cool. top, top, top for me, David Long. I so and I David, I'm so sorry. You're gonna laugh if you're watching this. I actually had to push my lunch with David Long. <laughs> so then yeah, I was like, Oh my gosh, David, I'm so sorry because I was so scattered this show. We had so much going on that I had missed a women's lunch the day before, thinking it was Saturday and it was that no, see, I don't even know my days. Thinking it was Friday, the lunch was actually Saturday, and my lunch with Peter had been Saturday, or David. So I said, David, I'm so sorry. 
And then we just happened to meet up and cross each other on the showroom floor. And we just gave each other the biggest hug. You know, we talked for about five minutes. But David is just as warm, inspiring, and amazing in person as he is. And for those of you who might not know because you're living under a rock, David Long does the pandemic of positivity. He's also the head of, what group is he the head of, Sean? Do you remember? I don't know. Head of I do not. I do not. I, I know that he does a lot of work out there with Paul and yes. those guys. I know there's a big announcement yes. with all of their dealings and the, and the dealer run sort yeah. of uh, deal going on out there. Yeah. So I would say um, him for sure. And then also just like um, Kirsten Van Bush of Experian. So I had the privilege to interview her for a podcast and she was just so warm, so lovely. She's been in the industry for 20 years. She's just every part of what makes automotive good. So I would, those two are just like some of my faves for sure, but so many, you know, what else was so great about the show? There were so many get together, non-association or group related things for women. There were so many like fun, happy hours and like dinners and like, let's all as women in the industry get together and rah, rah. And that was awesome. That was awesome to see. Yeah. That, that's a new part that I definitely had, had not seen. Obviously, you know, I would fly under yeah. my radar as a guy, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but I try to be connected. I try to support the cause. And I, I, I definitely say that there was not three years ago at a show in 2019, there was, there was nothing like that. No. It was maybe a, a group of women who were like, cool, let's have drinks, whatever. Um, right. But this seemed to be all phases of people. You know, Kaylee seemed to be, I mean, just all the women that I've come into contact yeah. with myself, it's, it's everywhere. And I'm just, yeah. I couldn't be happier about that part of it. If that's what's it come out really of this, cool. if that's what it's, you guys can expect moving forward at these shows, like, look, give me more of that. It was so supportive. And I have to tell you, so Allie, who was, you know, came with me this year, she's working with me now. She had actually taken a hiatus from um, auto. She worked about, I would say, you know, uh, about 10 years ago. I think she said it's been 10 years since she came to an NADA. So, you know, she looked around. She's like, well, some things are exactly the same. Some things haven't changed a bit. But she said, but the level of support and inclusivity for women and just like the level of being, um, I don't know, women supporting each other in a, in a positive way. She just said that is a huge change. So she had the perspective of like being out for 10 years. This was her first NADA. And she just said, you know, diversity, she's like, we're still not anywhere near as diverse as we should be. But as far as women supporting women, she just thought that was a really welcome and beautiful change. Well, that makes me happy to hear. And you can tell from pictures that some things never change, okay? Regardless yeah. of what happens. <laughs> People can do whatever they want, can take whatever picture of whatever angle they want. But exactly. there is a lot of sitting around in booths sending out auto, you know, out of office replies uh -huh. when you could be working. So yeah. just yep. you know, that gets me. You're, gets you're me correct. But I will tell you along those lines, Erica Tiffany Wells was here. She was on an automotive news retail yeah. forum. She was that girl was ripping it up everywhere I went. Erica was like just you know spreading her magic. And um, same with Carrie Wise, the Wokan women won the Vanguard Award at the AWAs. Um, and the Vanguard Award is for like, you know, the most impactful, influential group. So it's really wonderful to see groups like that getting their due, finally, getting the support they deserve. 100%. That is, a, that is a great positive note for us to sort of wrap this yeah. up. Lori, as we get going, I know you have to get going and finally get your get yourself back to Oregon where I'm you belong. I'm finally going to the airport. Yes, out of <laughs> Vegas. Would leave us leave us with your leave us with your thought, your your takeaway from NADA this year. I would say if it's one word it's resiliency. I just think everybody that 
everyone feels very relieved we've gotten through the last two years. And not only have we gotten through the last two years, we've gotten through it with, uh, you know, profits, off the charts profits. And so I think if we can just collaboratively work together, whether it's the dealer, the OEM, the vendor, the women in auto, the woke hands of the world, I think collaboration and, you know, resiliency is really the two piece that I would call. Well, if those are the two words we're dealing with, I think we've set up for a pretty nice future if we can all just adhere to that and continue to work on it. Lori, I thank you so much for making the time today. Um, I know you're a busy woman. I just, I needed to get a feel for things and I thought no one better to give us that feel than you. So thank you for this taking This is great. No, thank you so much for having me on. And, and the only the second two time, now I'm just going to go have to give Brian Kramer a hard time because let's be honest, I'm the better two time. I mean, look, you know, it's, I'm not saying it. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't call <laughs> Brian Kramer for his recap. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm, I'm into it. So thank you guys so much for joining us. You know where you can find Lori. She's all over LinkedIn. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking about the old attribution monster making its way back into oh. mainstream society. And I'm going to have to have my say on that. Thank you all. Have yourselves a wonderful week and we'll see you again next week.